0: Welcome to the Grace Hill Podcast, a weekly podcast of our Sunday messages driven by our pastor. Grace Hill exists to bring God's biblical truth to your everyday life. As we begin this week's message, we invite you to open your Bibles and capture what God has in store for you today. So as we've been in our series of long days and short years, and we've talked about family and we've talked about the home, we've kind of focused, and our emphasis has been on the here and now, right? In, in this moment right now, how do we make things better in our home? What can we do? How can we add a, a spiritual emphasis in our homes? How can we build for the moment right now? And we've kind of focused on that. And today, I want to shift to the part of our series title, "How to Make Them Count." And I want to talk about long term. I want to talk about the end result and the end goal and what we're shooting for and striving for in our homes and in our, in our families. Now I'm privileged enough to come from a family that has a great legacy my family's all about legacy. In fact, my dad, as a minister, as a pastor, did a whole uh, like traveling teaching on this concept of descendants, right? And passing it on to the next generation. And it was like a huge thing for him. So literally, I'm not making this up. He thought the movie Cars 3 was awesome because he was passing it on to the next generation. And he's like, that's what it's about right there. And I was like, dad, they're animated. Like, it's, this isn't real, you know, you get have that reality. You know, So it's, it's all about legacy in our family and passing it on to the next generation. Now, my grandfather, I'm a third generation preacher. I'm a third generation pastor. And it all started with my grandfather. Now, my grandfather, born in Meridian, Mississippi, lived in the projects of Mississippi, grew up very, very, very poor. He's got crazy, crazy stories uh, about how they lived and growing up. And there's, in fact, one of the greatest stories I can think of, of my grandfather's young childhood as a time when uh, he would have to go down to the well where they would get their water because they didn't have running water in their homes. Uh, he would go to the well to get the water. And one day, it's, it's kind of a big open well, and it was almost like a natural spring, I think, so you could get the water easily. And he looks down and he finds a snake in their water. There's a snake in this water and my grandfather being about nine or 10 years old and thinking I'm resourceful, I'm going to take care of this snake. So he goes back to his house and gets a 22. So he gets his gun, he gets this little 22 rifle, goes down there, sees the snake and he shoots it in the water. You're all tracking. This is so good. So at about eight, nine years old, he was thrilled because he went back and said, hey, I killed a snake in the water. And they said, what water? Well, in the well where I was getting water, I shot it. He's dead. And they said, you shot it in the water? <laughs> yes. So his blood and everything has spilled all through our water. Oh, it's one of those great moments, right? So then they had to go further then to get their water for some time until they were able to get it Cleaned and checked and all that. And it was like way to go, Derwood Dubose. My grandfather grew up very, very poor, and he didn't grow up in a Christian home. He didn't grow up in a in a godly home. My my great grandparents uh, became pregnant out of wedlock, so they were really looked down upon and, and kind of shunned in in the culture. And finally, they they did marry after uh, or right before my grandfather was born. They married, and uh, my grandfather was a hard man. You know, my great grandfather was a hard man, and and uh, my grandmother, my great grandmother, found a church and she started going to this church and she gives her heart to the Lord. And she began to become a part of these prayer services and showing up to prayer meetings and things. And, and the, my grandfather wanted nothing to do with it because my great grandfather had no need for it himself. And so there was a young pastor in that church in Mississippi who started going after my grandfather and he started going after him and all of his friends that were there in the projects and that were rough and they were in fights all the time. And they just, just hard, hard young men. And, and, and he started going after him, after him all the time, all the time. And so one day my grandfather thought, you know what? I'll go and visit the church. And he goes to the church and he gives his heart to the Lord And everything that he was, before that, he was fighting to maintain reputation. He was fighting for some food. He was fighting uh, to, to, you know, honor his family or whatever. And then his shift, there was a shift that took place where he said, now I'm fighting for lost souls and I'm fighting for my family to know Jesus. And I'm fighting, it was this big shift and it altered the legacy of my family. It altered the legacy of my family. It was one of those monument moments, one of those memorial moments where he looks back and says, that is the moment in which we changed the course of the future of our family. My grandfather then called into the ministry and loaded up with three of his friends from Meridian, Mississippi and drove to Waxahachie, Texas to attend what is now Southwestern Assemblies of God University. And and from there spurred their their career in ministry and, and then long story short, here we are today. Legacy is vital. Legacy is important in our homes. It's important in our families. And, it's, and it doesn't happen accidentally. In fact, the reality is we are all leaving a legacy of some form or fashion. We decide what legacy we leave. And, and it's important and it's crucial that we make that decision ourselves and don't allow culture around us to decide the legacy that we leave. The big idea today is this, you control the legacy you leave. Last week, Lauren spoke about honoring your mama. She talked about honoring your mama and her mama being from, from Bowie, Texas. That's what you have is a mama. Uh, one of the interesting things that Lauren shared with us though was about the promise that came with honoring your father and your mother, he said, it's, it's that you will enjoy long life in the land God is giving you. And she mentioned that giving means that it is in motion, it's, it's happenings, right? So when, when Moses is speaking, he's saying, we're gonna enjoy long life. If we honor our father and our mother, we're gonna enjoy long life in the land that the Lord is giving us, right? And it's this promised land that they're looking forward to. And, and so he says, it's coming, it's happening. And as we honor our parents, we're gonna enjoy long life there in this land. And so today... I want to talk about the moment when the Israelites entered the promised land, when they entered the land that God was giving them. This is a monumental moment in the history of the Israelites. In fact, this is a a huge moment uh, in all of Scripture, in all of the text. And and this morning we're going to jump into Joshua chapter 4, starting with verse 1. And we're going to read quite a bit of Scripture. So I do apologize to the children that, that. Don't follow on. But let me tell you this, kids. If you have the coloring sheet this morning, how many kids have a coloring sheet? Feel free to wave at me and let me know. If you're a kid in your 40s, it's fine. It's perfectly fine. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's good. You can maybe be in your 30s, 40s, have a coloring sheet. I'm not against you. But you'll see, this is the story we're talking about today. So this is the Israelites gathering stones out of the Jordan River. And they're going to make a monument or a memorial to symbolize the time in which God yet again, part of the water. So starting with verse one, when the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan river, Uh, let me just pause for a moment. That is a long walk to get the whole nation across. This is not just a a, a thousand people. This is roughly a million people crossing this river. Took a good while. Okay. So, so they're crossing this and he's going, I wonder if Joshua was like, I'm going first because I'm going to sit down and wait for the rest of y'all. I don't know that, but I'm just going, this is going to be a while. The Lord said to Joshua, choose 12 men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priests are standing. And we'll come back to what that is in a minute and carry them over with you and put them down at the place where you stay tonight. So Joshua called together the 12 men he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe and said to them, go over before the ark of the Lord, your God into the middle of the Jordan. That's where God had called the priest to go to the middle of the Jordan river with the ark. And that's when the water was held back, right? So they go there and then the Lord pulls the water back. Okay. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites to serve as a sign among you in the future. When your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. So the Israelites did as Joshua commanded them They took the 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites, as the Lord had told Joshua. And they carried them over with them to their camp where they put them down. Joshua set up the 12 stones that had been in the middle of the Jordan at the spot where the priest who carried the Ark of the Covenant had stood. And they are there to this day. Now let's jump down to verse 21, same chapter, verse 21. He said to the Israelites, In the future, when your descendants ask their parents, what do these stones mean? Tell them, Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you had crossed over. The Lord your God did to the Jordan what he had done to the Red Sea when he dried it up before us until we had crossed over. He did this so that all the peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful and so that you might always fear the Lord your God. Let me pray real fast. Father, anoint my words today as, as we carry on in speaking what you have, you have laid in my heart today. Lord, And I pray that you use this time to help us strengthen families in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, and amen. Uh, today, I want to talk about leaving your legacy. And I apologize. I know the kids are going like, this is a lot of scripture. Is this guy ever going to stop? And we got through it. And, and let, let it be a lesson to honor the word of God. Amen. Uh, today, I want to talk about leaving a legacy and, and those moments— uh, that our children are watching when our, our families are watching, when those around us are watching, when they're seeing our families, and we, we set up those monuments and those memorials, and we set up those, those, those times when, when we honor the work of the Lord, when we honor what God has done, and those then become a memorial to our families, and they become a memorial to our children in those moments that they look back and they say, what does this mean? What happened here? What happened in this time? This is one of those most climactic moments in all of the Bible. I want you to think for a minute. They're not just crossing a river, it's not just God pulling back the water. This is the culmination of years. In years and years of struggle for the Israelite people. This is them saying, okay, we came out of Egypt. We came out of the slavery that we were in. God set us free. We, we made it all the way to the Red Sea, where then our, our hopes and our dreams were dashed. Immediately, we thought, this is it. Were there not enough graves in Egypt that you brought us here to die? That is what they said to Moses. And Moses is probably in the moment thinking, I am a pathetic leader. And, and they have this moment. And then God parts the Red Sea and they cross to the other other side. And now they're on the other side and and, and there's a great victory. And then only to find that they now have to wander through the wilderness for 40 years. So over 40 years, they're walking and going, God, when are we ever going to get to the dream that you have called us to? When are we going to get to the promised land that you have given us and you have said is ours and we're just waiting and we're hoping and we're believing for this promised land and yet it's not happening and yet we're not there. And there were other times when they got close and they said, oh, we can't do it. We can't do it. There's giants in the land. We can never overtake it. We could never overtake these people. And they turn back and then they come to this moment one more time. They're back at the edge of the promised land and they encounter the Jordan river at flood stage. So it's not even just that it's, there's a river it's at flood stage. And there's no way across. It's impassable. There's not like a bridge that has been built and constructed, and that people are like, hey, come on over. No, it's not like that. And it is yet again another barrier, another roadblock, as it was, to, to keep them out of the promised land. And, and they're probably again in that moment thinking, this is never going to happen. We're never going to make it in. And then God speaks. And Joshua is obedient. And they carry the the Ark of the Covenant out to the middle and the water parts and and pulls back and holds back while the people cross into the promised land. This is a huge moment. I can only imagine that the celebration and the vict- of victory and the celebration of we have made it and we're finally here was probably greater than any celebration that, that they had ever experienced. Because think of this, not only did they wander for a generation, that meant that there was a whole generation that died in the wilderness. And so the wilderness would have been synonymous with death and with burial. And it would have been synonymous with failure. It would have been synonymous with, with never ever achieving what we were set out to do. And then the moment when they shifted and they stepped into the promised land is a huge victory and a win. I can only imagine that there was a large feast and banquet and celebration that night when they crossed the land. I feel bad for all the animals that were living because they were then eaten. That's a part of a feast. You have to have food, so. Joshua being led of the Lord, is, he takes, takes the time to build the monument and to say, let's honor the Lord. The first thing I want to talk about this morning is this. It's all about God. It's all about God. And I know that's probably really vague and you're going, we came to church this morning to hear it's all about God. Great, yeah. A lot of depth in that, right? Let's talk through that. Seeing that rock pile and hearing the story the people of Israel would know clearly that they had not crossed the Jordan on their own. It was a statement to say, we did not accomplish this. We did not get here on our own. We didn't make this happen. It was only by God. It was all about God. It is only through God and through his power, by his hand, that, that we were able to cross this river. It was only by his power and faithfulness that we have accomplished this. So let this memorial speak to us all. And they have this moment in in this set up where where they're able to come back to and tell their children and remind them and pass it on to them. Look what God did for us. Look what God did in bringing us out of the wilderness into the promised land. This is a, a huge moment. So they set up this memorial and this monument so that they can go back to it. And so when the kids say, what is that rock pile? And you go, oh, that's not just a rock pile. That's to remind us that God brought us here. That without God, we don't make it here. Without God, we don't get to this point. Without God, we don't see this happen. In our homes, it needs to be known that all that we do is about God. In our homes, it needs to be known that the reason we are where we are is because God has allowed it to happen because God has given us the opportunity to make it this far. It needs to be known so that the next generation can see and know. Let our children see us stop and give thanks for those moments. Let our children hear us celebrate what God has done. When we have those moments in our lives when we have those, those moments that, that we come across where we go, oh, wow, that was God. God did that. Let them see us worshiping God in those moments. Let them see us and hear us praising God for those moments and, and what has happened so that they can go back to those moments themselves I think there's some, some crazy similarities between the previous generation that left Egypt and the generation entering into the promised land uh, as far as how they exited, right? We, we see that, that God held back the Jordan just like he did the Red Sea. Now, there, there's, there's some incredible similarities on purpose. I think that God is showing us that just because he did it that way one time doesn't mean he can't continue to do the same thing again and again and again. That just because it was done doesn't mean that God has stopped doing so. I think it's good for them to be reminded that that he says, hey, I am the God who controls the elements. I'm the God who can hold back the Red Sea. I can part those waters. I can hold back this river. It can be done again. So when you face that challenge again, God can come through again and again and again. And so this moment is huge for the the Israelite people because they're able to step out and say, I remember, maybe there was a few still hanging over going, I remember when God parted the Red Sea. And then they stand there in front and going, He's doing it again. He's doing it again. God's doing it again. And they set up this monument and this memorial so that the children come back and go, "Wow, what is that? What is going?" And they say, "This is the time when God did it again. He did it again." And I don't know where you are in your life. I don't know what you're up against. I don't know if you feel as if you are at the, the, the brink or the cusp of your promised land or you're you're so close to getting to where you want to be or what, what God has for you. And yet you keep feeling as if you get knocked down and knocked down and knocked down time and time again. But you have those moments that you go back to and you can remember, oh, but there was that time When? There was that time when God parted the waters. There was that time when God showed up, when God provided, when God allowed something to happen. Or for my parents one time, I remember hearing this story of what God did in that moment. And I say this to you, that the time is coming if you stay faithful and you pursue and pursue God and say, Lord, I want the promised land you have for me and, he's, and it's just not happening. Why can I get through? God saying, just hang on. The breakthrough is coming. Just hang on. The waters will be parted. Just hang on. I will deliver you out of this yet again. And you stay faithful and stay faithful and stay faithful. God will bring you through to the promised land. It's all about God. It's nothing we can do on our own. It's not about our efforts and what we can accomplish. It's about God giving direction and leading. It's about us being faithful and obedient. And then in the time is right, God pulls back the waters and we part and we cross on dry land. I know for me in my life, there's several moments and in, in stories growing up that I was too young to remember, but my parents were so good to teach me of the times when God showed up in their lives. Yes, they taught me the word of God and they showed me the stories out of the word of God. But they said, there were times in our own home when this happened, when we were up against this and God showed up in this way, when God did this in this way and he made this happen. And and I have those stories and things that I could hang on to and lean on to and say, oh, I know that God can do it because he did it for my parents. And now we have stories that we can pass on to our children about times when we couldn't make ends meet and we didn't have the, the provision and the finance is necessary to do it, to get through. And yet somebody shows up and God provides, he speaks and and he moves the hand of God. You know, and and prayer does incredible things, but, but, but we see God doing things in our lives and we can pass those stories on to our children and those serve and act as the monuments and the memorials in which we go, God can do it. It is all about God and only about God. It is not our own doing or our own abilities that make it happen, but it is only by the grace of God. So this moment is huge. It it is all about God. It is all about God. I got way ahead of myself and had to scroll quite a bit just then. Luckily, I didn't miss anything. That's good. When they set up those monuments, it serves as a reminder. It had nothing to do with anything they were able to accomplish. It was only by God. I'm reminded of Psalm 127.1. And it essentially says, let us, let it remind us that unless the Lord builds the house, its builders labor in vain. We can work and we can work and we can work and we can do our best and we can, and we need to do our best. We need to work hard. But unless God is the builder of the home, the builder labors in vain. Zechariah 4.6 is not by might or by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. It is only by God. It is only by God. It's all about God. We have to share those stories. We have to pass those on to the next generation. I think one of the great things this morning, and I talked about this earlier during water baptism, is this, for those children that are watching their parents be baptized, that is a monumental moment in the lives of your children. They're able to see that. They're able to watch that and say, this was a huge moment, and, and, and go back to that and say, I remember when, I remember when my mom said, from this day forward, we will serve the Lord. From this day forward, I will live forever for the Lord. And it isn't that moment, but you're making that declaration and they're able to see that. That's a monumental moment. We need to pass these on to our children and to the next generation. You decide the legacy that you're leaving. The second thing is this. We have a missionary purpose. We have a mission we have a purpose. Verse twenty-four. It says this: He did this so that all peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful, and so that you might always fear the Lord your God. The Hebrew word for know, uh, and it won't be in your notes, but it, the Hebrew word for know is doth, d a a t h. If you're going to try to spell it phonetically in the English, but it means to discover to know by experience. And he says, uh, this is so that all the peoples of the earth might know. That means that they might discover, that they might experience the mighty hand of God. That they might experience the hand of God and, and, and how powerful he is. This is more than just them gaining knowledge. This is more than just people having this this head knowledge or this understanding of like, oh, that's what's going on there. Okay, good for y'all, way to be. No, this is so that they would discover the powerful hand of God, so that they would experience the powerful hand of God because through that experience and through that, people then turn to the Lord, that there is a moment of repentance because of of, of how great God is and what he has done. And they see that and they're drawn to that. So understand this, we have no mission other than the great commission, right? And and, and this, this desire, and this need to see people come to know Jesus that we've been called to do, that we've been commanded to do, that, that Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel, right? He said, go make disciples, He said, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We were fulfilling that this morning. We are living out that very mission that has been given to us, even back to the moments when the Israelites crossed the Jordan River into the promised land. He says, this is so that the others in this world, that the whole world might see and know the hand of the Lord is powerful. The need to share the gospel and the need to share this with others goes all the way back into the Old Testament. It's not just about the moments in the New Testament and and what Jesus has said. It's all tied together. The desire for people to find the Lord is still the same in the Old and the New Testament. And how do we do that? Through the way we live and through the monuments we build in our lives. And we say, I'm going to, to celebrate and honor what God has done in my world and what God has done in my life. And I want it to be seen by those around me. To be seen by those around me. The way I live, the the stories I tell, the things I get excited about, and the things I share, we celebrate those. We share that in our homes. The first mission field we have is in our home. It is to our children, it is to our families to say, I'm going to show you Jesus, I'm going to share the love of Jesus with you. The first mission field we have is in our home, first and foremost. if we conceal the work of the Lord, if we withhold it, if we don't share it, if we conceal it, then God does not receive the full praise he's worthy of. When we give testimonies and we share what God has done with those around us, with those in our connection groups, and side note, if you're not in a connection group, if you're not connected and plugged in, come talk to me after service. I wanna help you get connected and plugged in to the rest of our church and what God is doing outside of just our Sunday morning services. There are incredible things happening in our connection groups and in our small groups where, where, a lot, where prayers are being answered, where God is moving, where, where great things are happening and, and, and discipleship is taking place and growth is happening. So be a part of a connection next group, come talk to me after service. But, but it's, it's about building one another. When we when we praise what God is doing, when we honor what God is doing, we build those into our lives. We build those monuments and, and those memorials into our lives. And they are seen then by those around us. We're seen by those around us. The third thing is this, we must change if we want to go with God. And here's what I mean. The stones that, that the Israelites built and set up on the other side was to say that we are now putting away the wilderness. We are putting the wilderness behind us. The way we operated in the wilderness is gone. The the, the messing around with the idolatry and things of that nature, those things are gonna be put away. In fact, you know, Joshua then later speaks and says, Choose today. This is the moment. You have to decide who are you going to serve? Are you going to serve those gods or are you going to serve the God? And they said, okay, we're going to serve the God of Israel, right? And we set up that monument in that memorial. He said, there has to be a shift and a change because we could stay here where we are. We could stay back where we are and, and, and not pursue the promised land. We can with, say, you know what? We're going to keep wandering and we're going to keep doing these same things over and over. And we're going to let the promise just sit on the other side of that river. We're going to let the promise sit just out of reach. But he says, no, we're going we're to cross. We're going to build this monument. And we're going to say from this day forward, we recognize that we are going to change so that we can go where God has called us to go. We're not going to stay the same. We're not going to be the same any longer. We're going to pursue what God has called us to be. And we're going to pursue where God has called us to go. And we're going to step into the promised land. And here's what I'm saying. Now, now hear me. I'm not someone who gets up here and preaches against stuff and against things. I will preach against sin and say, turn from sin. We don't need sin in our lives. But you may say, well, this thing that you're, you know, it, it, it's not sending me to hell. And you know what? It may not send you to hell. It may not be a thing that you end up in hell over, right? But it could be the thing keeping you from the promised land. There could be things in your heart and your life that you know good and well don't have a place in your relationship with the Lord and you cannot separate you from your relationship with the Lord. You don't compartmentalize it. That's not how it works. And there may be things in your heart and your life and your mind that you're going, I need to do away with this if I'm gonna step into the promised land. And if I'm gonna fully reach the potential that God has for me and for my family, I have to put these things away. I have to change how I operate and change how I live and change how I act and what I look at and what I see and what I indulge in, what I classify as, as this or that. You know, I have to be willing to set those things aside so that I can enter the promised land. Otherwise, I continue to wander in the wilderness with a river just keeping me from the promise that God has for me in my family. You may say, it's not gonna send me to hell. You know what? It may not. It may not send you to hell, but it may keep you from the promise. And I promise you this, it is better to walk in the promised land than to wander in the wilderness. They were still the children of God, right? They were still the Israelite people in the wilderness. I'm not gonna take that from them. That's that's the reality of who they were. But they didn't have their own land. They didn't have their space. They didn't have the promise and the blessing that God had for them until they decided to say, you know what, enough with the wilderness. We're gonna step out in faith. We're gonna trust God. He's gonna pull the water back and we're gonna enter into the promised land. We must change if we wanna go with God. And that's the same in our families, that's the same in our church. You heard mentioned briefly that, that starting on, on, in June, uh, on June 11th at 6.30, we'll have eight straight weeks of, of Tuesday night prayer. I believe in the power of prayer. In fact, we're gonna start a series on June 2nd on prayer. So uh, come for the four weeks after, you know, starting in June, we're gonna be teaching on prayer. We're gonna talk about the power of prayer. But I, I'm a big believer of putting you know, words into action and saying, if we're gonna say it, let's do it. And so Tuesday nights at 6.30, we're gonna have midweek prayer. And, and I, listen, I want prayer to be a part of every one of your life. And if you go, you know what? I struggle to find time for prayer, to struggle to get prayer. This is an easy, easy opportunity for you to put prayer in your life. See, prayer changes things. Prayer changes things. And, and this is about changing to go where God wants us to go. And so when we come and we pray, there is power in prayer. There is is, is, is transforming power in prayer. God does incredible things when we pray. God does incredible things when we begin to turn our hearts to him and we, we begin to make our requests known to him and we have conversation with him. He will speak. See, prayer is important. So June 11th, it's 6.30 p.m. It'll be simple. It'll be easy. You go, how long are we gonna pray? We're gonna pray for an hour. And you go, even the disciples couldn't pray for an hour. Jesus had to get onto them. And I go, you know what? We're gonna make it so easy for you. It's gonna be guided. We're gonna give prayer topics. We're gonna give you uh, things to follow through. But this is about that shift and that change. It's more than just changing in our home and saying, okay, we're gonna change our, our, our church too. And we're gonna change how our, our church operates and functions. And we are going to be a church of prayer, Amen. Can y'all get behind that? Can you rally with that? Can you say, yes, we're gonna be a church of prayer. We will be a church of prayer because we believe in the power of prayer and we believe that prayer changes things, changes hearts, changes lives. It, it, It does a work in us personally and we can begin to pray for others outside of the walls of our church and we can begin to pray for people to come to know Jesus. And I believe that through prayer, we can see incredible things happen and we too can step into the promised land and the vision that God has given us and the direction that he's leading us And it's through prayer, it's through prayer that we begin to see the change and the shift happen. Hopefully we kind of made this a little practical, you know, get connected to a small group and and let's start reaching the world, right? And then also, uh, let's, let's pray and see change happen and see things shift and take place and let's build monuments into our lives. I'm going to invite the worship team to join me. Today's a, a, a big moment for a lot of you in your personal walks with the Lord in the moment of baptism, but today can also be a big moment in our homes and in our families where we stand together and we say, we will stand together and say that we will build monuments, we will build memorials in our homes because we want to leave a legacy more than anything, there's so many legacies you can leave. You could leave a legacy of wealth. You could leave a legacy of fame. You could leave a legacy of good works and good deeds. You could leave all of those things and they wouldn't necessarily be bad. You may, you may not leave a good legacy. You may leave a legacy that says, you know, my, my father was, 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 was harsh, he was mean. Whatever it may be, there's so many legacies you can leave. You, you will leave a legacy, but let me tell you this. The only thing that ever can truly matter is if do you leave a legacy where your children find Jesus, where your children serve the Lord? Have you left a legacy or are you gonna leave a legacy that says, my father, my mother loved Jesus dearly. They served him with everything inside of them. Their faith was evident. The way they lived was evident for, for Jesus. You know What legacy are you leaving? In? And it starts with a simple decision. It starts with a simple mindset to say that I am going to, build monuments. I'm going to build memorials in my home and in my family. I'm going to celebrate the work of the father in our home. I'm going to celebrate what God has done in our lives and the miracles. And and, and some of them may be big, some may be small, but we're going to honor the Lord and we're going to build those monuments into our lives. And we're going to take time and say, you know what? Today we need to just thank God for the fact that we have a warm meal on the table and say, God, you're so good that you have blessed us with food. You've given us a job so that we can provide for our family and we can honor the Lord in those things. How can we weave monuments and memorial moments into our families and into our homes? I'm gonna invite you all to stand. This morning, we have a few moments. We have a few moments. And what I want you to do and we're gonna take just a moment and I want you to get together in your families. I want you to gather together as families. And, you, and if you don't have family here, gather with others and, and make a family in that moment and in that place. And what I want you to do is I want you to say, as a family, we're going to decide and declare that we are gonna build the monuments in our home, that we're gonna build memorials in our home and that, and that God is gonna be the leader of our homes. And I want y'all to lead that prayer in your groups. I want y'all to pray with each other and to say, God, build us up. So let's pray, Father, this morning. Come on, let me hear you lift your voice. Lift your voice. Jesus, begin to do a work, Father. Do a work. Do a work this morning. Lord, in our home, we declare, Lord, that we will honor you, Father, that we will build memorials and monuments in our hearts and in our lives. That we will we will lift you up, Father. That we will celebrate what you are doing. We'll celebrate the, the things that you've done in our hearts and in our lives, Lord, and we will bring glory and honor to you. In every moment when we can, Lord, when, when, when you receive honor, Lord, we want it to be for the great things you do. Father, we want to lift you up for every moment. We want to exalt you in all things. Lord, it's all about you. In everything we do, it's all about you, God. We pray that, that as, as, as parents, that we will honor you in a way that our children see it and that they're drawn to it, Lord. And I pray that, that you will help us to show what it means to love Jesus and that we'll honor you with all that we have and all that we are, Lord, that we will build memorials and monuments that that our children can return to and say, what happened in this moment? How did you make it through this? How did we come out of this on the other side? And we can point them back to the fact that there is a God who loves us and there is a God who cares for us and there is a God who performs miracles today and that he doesn't withhold. He doesn't withhold that when we step out in faith and obedience that God shows himself, that God works and God moves. And so, Lord, let us build the right monuments in our homes. Let us build the right monuments in our homes, Father, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, Lord, we we honor you, we exalt you, and we thank you for it. We thank you for it. Lord, we pray over every family in the house this morning. We pray, God, as, as, as our family over their family, Lord, we ask that your Holy Spirit will rest in their homes. Lord, I pray that if there's any division in the home. Let it be restored. Let it be mended. Father, I know that the enemy wants to attack families and marriages more than any other entity in the universe. And so in the name of Jesus, I speak against it. In the name of Jesus, I speak life. In the name of Jesus, I speak love. I speak unity in the homes. And I pray, oh God, that you be glorified that you be magnified, that you be lifted high in the homes. Lord, let, let, let things that, 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 that honor you be lifted up. Father, I pray that our homes will be a, a, a place that welcomes the Holy Spirit, not, not repulses or pushes away, but our homes will be a place where the Holy Spirit wants to dwell and he feels comfortable in our midst. So Lord, I pray over every home, over every family, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for it. We give you glory. We give you honor in Jesus' name. Now, Lord, I pray blessing over every person as they leave today, as they go today. We thank you for how great you are and all that you've done for us, Lord. And I pray that you just let them today celebrate all that you've done in their hearts and in their lives and what you're continuing to do. We thank you for it. We you glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Grace Hill is always about knowing God and growing in God, and we want to hear from you. If you have a prayer request or a question, you can email us at info at gracehill.cc.